You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. This is Roxanne Solonen along with my co-host. Blake Ritterman. And we are privileged to have Monsignor Thomas Richter from Dickinson on the line. He has been discussing the discernment of spirits, the rules of St. Ignatius that have been so invaluable. Um, and so we have done a series, and we're going to go ahead and let Monsignor Richter take off from where he left off. And then we're going to, I think we're going to, it was Rule 9 and then go to, to Rule 12. So I'm going to let you kind of lead this, Monsignor, but we will pop in with questions as we have them, if you don't mind. Well, thank you, uh, Roxanne. Yeah, please do so. Please uh, interject, make comments, any questions, especially needs for clarification. Good to be with you and your listeners. It's been a while since uh, our last uh, our last little episode on on Rule Nine. Uh, just uh, if if you, if I can use five minutes or so to frame it all. Yes. Um, I yeah. I I know it's uh, re- uh, repetitious, but I think it's uh, helpful for for the listeners. Just to quickly walk through, there's 14 rules. These first 14 rules, he has then eight more, but uh, we're not going to be concerned about them. So when I talk about the rules, I'm talking about the first 14. The first rule is, what are the spirits like in a person moving away from God? Uh, Ignatius is pretty simplistic in the way he describes the two spirits, the good spirit, the bad spirits. Um, the bad includes uh, personified evil, um, fallen angels, etc., as well as their own fallen nature, as well as all that has fallen in society that can influence us in a negative way. The good spirit, of course, is the Holy Spirit, angels, our own good, yeah, sort of uh, good, good movements, good desires, good inclinations, good dispositions due to our own human nature. So the first rule is for those moving away from God, and that's the only rule Ignatius has for a person moving away from God. Says the good spirit acts in the conscience, uh, appealing to right reason, appealing to just uh, what is good and what is bad. And so for a person who's moving away from God, you and I experience this every time we're tempted, and the temptation has leaned now to us being attracted to the temptation, to gossip, to envy, to, uh, to lie, to be impatient, whatever. Once the heart is leaned toward, okay, I'm going to run with this, this is a person moving away from God. And he says the good spirit simply acts in the conscience, don't do it, it's bad, you're going to regret it, Stum, stop, <laughs> no, okay? The same, thing, uh, the same thing a parent does to a child who's about to play with matches, to drink bleach, whatever. <laughs> the, the, bad, the bad spirit acts in the imagination, with apparent, apparent pleasures, apparent uh, goods, you're going to really like this if you just flip out once more on your kids, and it's going to solve all your problems. And then uh, you do it, and you have uh, you have the regret. So that's rule one, and it's the only rule he has for when one's moving away from God, which describes then, which describes the unfortunate reality in one's lived experience of God if you're moving away from Him. The only experience you can have of God is this person pricking your conscience 
out of love, of course. But it's not an experience of closeness. It's not an experience of intimacy. It's not an experience of warm affection. Because God, God loves me, and He's not going to sit and warm my heart as I'm drinking bleach. <laughs> right. So, so this is this is, um, yeah, this is important that we identify that uh, this could be the common lived experience of many people who haven't, uh, you know, got to a point of okay. I trust God. I want to move toward Him. I want Him. I want to be faithful. I want to, uh, um, yeah, surrender to Him. So that's rule one. Rule two then is the uh, activity of the Spirit, kind of movements in the soul by the good and bad Spirit for one who is moving toward God. And He says they're the reverse. So for one moving toward God, now the Spirit of God, the good Spirit, consoles gives spiritual consolation, gives encouragement, removes obstacles, gives energy, lifts up the heart, attracts, uh, etc. And the enemy, the bad spirit, the bad spirit then uh, instead gives false reasons, tries to beat down, tries to discourage, um, tries to make all false, all kinds of false reasons. So those, that's a big, big framework, guys. Now, the, the big difference between the two spirits uh, another big difference between them is the good spirit delivers the goods. The bad spirit always ends in a hangover. Uh, that that's what the the bad spirit is presenting. Like uh, in rule one, if you follow it, it won't result in the delight, the pleasure that it's presenting. And uh, in the rule two, if you follow, if you follow the fears and the discouragement, etc. It's, uh, it's not going to um, result because they're false, they're apparent. And then rules three and four, describing spiritual consolation, spiritual desolation, and then rules five through eight are what a person should do in a time of spiritual desolation. Rules five through eight, five, six, seven, and eight, um, which reveal that St. Ignatius is great concern, which I hope my listeners have gotten tired of hearing me say, a St. Ignatius is great concern. What he thinks is the most important need for a friend of Jesus, for one who's trying to be faithful to God, trying to live a close relationship with God, St. Ignatius thinks the greatest need is to teach that heart how to become aware of spiritual desolation, how to understand it, and how to resist it, how to say no to it, how to reject it. That is the great need, he thinks, for uh, people who are uh, following, who are um, trying to follow Jesus, resisting spiritual desolation. And then Rule 9 is very unique. It simply answers the question, and this is where we left off last time, answering the question, why does God allow spiritual desolation? God never, ever, 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 ever causes spiritual desolation, but He allows it. God causes spiritual consolation. Um, God is the cause of spiritual consolation, which is, I mean, you want to talk about good news. How does God lead you to heaven? By, by spiritual consolation. How does the devil lead you to hell? By spiritual desolation. Like, who wouldn't want to follow spiritual consolation? 
Um, but uh, one comes to see from one's lived experience how we can be duped in the whole thing because of a lack of confidence in the goodness of God. We start to believe in the bad spirits' voices if it's God and all those things. But that's that's how this this whole thing works. And so Rule Nine was was Ignatius answering for uh, um, his retreatants. Why does God allow me to go through spiritual desolation? He doesn't cause it, but why does He allow it? He gives three reasons, um, and that's where we left off. Uh, last time, and we have Rule 10 and 11. I don't want to address them now, <laughs> just because um, I've, we've, we've done enough on spiritual desolation and consolation for a while, and I wanted to jump right to Rule 12, 13, and 14, which are about the enemy. Monsignor, before you mm-hmm. go into 12, I have a question. How do you distinguish okay. between like psychological effects and spiritual, or are they... Ah always tied together, or how, how does one sort through that? Good question, Roxanne. Good question. Thanks for bringing that up. Because So we would call uh, different levels, right? And the language I lose, use is level one, level two, level three, level one, level two, level three. Level one and two are non-spiritual levels. Level three is spiritual levels. And so what we're talking about when it comes to rules for the discernment of spirits what you're talking about, what you're paying attention to, what you're becoming aware of, are thoughts, feelings, and desires on the third level of what we call the heart. The third level of the heart. So, for example, any thought, feeling, and desire, any, uh, yeah, any attraction, any desire, any wish, any longing, any thought, um, any feeling that makes reference to the life of faith and relationship with God. Um, and so, for example, for example, um, for example, right, uh, I like, I, I like when the, I feel better when the, when it's nice, when there's nice weather. I feel good uh, when there's nice weather. That would be non-spiritual. Spiritual would be when there when the weather's nice um i i just i feel i feel great gratitude for god and uh the warmth of uh nice weather that's now level three make sense mm-hmm. yep thank you yes um now you know as you say one moves into the other they're they're not uh one i don't want the listeners to think that they're just this is strictly level one level two this is strictly level three but they flow in and out of one another right one can flow in to non-spirits can flow into spiritual very easily very easily so it's more in that awareness of that spiritual self and world yeah yeah, without getting self-absorbed, I, do, I don't want the listeners to overthink it, but uh, mm-hmm. as we talk this through, I think it will become uh, more and uh, more clear. Mm-hmm. So, so right, um, there can be something about your life, something about your life that uh, is a bit discouraging. Um, uh-huh. You haven't lost the weight you would like. I'm not saying this to you personally, Roxanne. I'm just talking mm. about in, in, in general. <laughs> and then, and then, that can then overflow into discouragement around uh, God being able to do help me with 
this or whatever, and, and so then it goes into something more than just about five pounds. Well, actually, that's a really good example because gluttony is the sin that I confess a lot. But uh, we are going to go to break and then we'll come back after I've had time to sort of take an exhale over that. And and uh, we will be back with Monsignor Richter talking about the 14 rules of discernment of, of spirits by St. Ignatius of Loyola. We'll be right back after this break. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. It's no secret that parents and students alike love the University of Mary, the nation's most affordable, serious Catholic university. The Mary community provides students with a home away from home, one that is grounded in the rich vibrancy of the church. With nearly 60 degree programs, 18 NCAA Division II athletic teams, and a thriving university ministry program, there's something for everyone. Find your place at Mary. Visit cometomary.life. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet our customers' production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. This is Lavinia Spirito for Catholic Way Bible Study. Pope Francis speaks a lot about letting Jesus out, about the danger of being self-referential, when we really should be breaking out of that mode and avoiding a country club or bunker model of church. Our Holy Father is telling us we need to be beacons of Jesus' light and go meet the world where it lives, not staying in a church building or even among churchy people. All the activities of the body of Christ should be ordered to mission. After all, everyone needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. The charisms and gifts of the Holy Spirit necessary to carry out this apostolate do not manifest until faith becomes a friendship with the person of Jesus. But they are there by virtue of our baptism and confirmation. You are already equipped. Just surrender yourself to the Lord and He will work through you. Remember, it's not about you, it's about Him. Catholic Way Bible Study. Peace, power, purpose. Find out more at cwbs.org. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. We are talking here on Real Presence Live. Thank you for coming back. We're talking with Monsignor Thomas Richter over in Dickinson, and he has been doing some instruction and leading us through the rules for discernment. Over over time, he has done that. And now we're going to jump into the 12th rule. Um, Monsignor, before we do that, tell me what can listeners, uh, what would you say is the benefit from knowing the rules? Just just a small little general thing. Uh, going to heaven. All right, there we go. Okay, rule 12. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so in Ignatius's vision, this is how you follow God. Mm. Uh, so so uh, Jesus says in the Gospel of John, I'm the good shepherd. The sheep know my voice. They uh, know my voice and they follow me. The, the rules for discerning the Spirit is about the voice of Jesus. What is the movement of God like in me? How does 
God speak to me? How does God, specifically in Jesus, speak to me? He would say God speaks to us through spiritual movements, stirring in our soul thoughts, feelings, and desires that draw us to him, and we say yes to them. How does the enemy lead us away from God? Uh, He stirs thoughts, feelings, and desires in our soul. They're opposed to God, and we consent to them. Um, And so this is, these rules are precisely about how God speaks to you. God speaks to us, of course, through the Church, um, in uh, what we would call, let's say, in an external ecclesial manner, which is utterly, utterly important. Anyone who doesn't accept uh, the authority of Christ speaking to the Church, he's never going to be able to discern well, personally, the voice in one's own heart. But, uh, but uh, one, the Lord wants to speak to us um, in, our, in a personal way, in our own, uh, in our own soul, through thoughts, feelings, and desires. So that's, that's Ignatius's vision, Roxanne, of these, of these rules. This is about coming to know how God speaks to me and leads me on a daily basis in many different things throughout my day. So, uh, to Rule 12, can we jump to Rule 12? Yes, let's do it. Uh, rule 12, uh, 13 and 14, Ignatius now um, uh, t- makes, makes a whole change in his approach. Up until this point, it's all about what does a person do in a time of spiritual consolation? What does a person do in a time of spiritual desolation? That's what uh, the last five through 11 rules have been about with that one unique rule of, of nine, which we already talked about. So now he uh, pivots and he de- dedicates three rules to what the enemy is like. Not just what he does, but what he's like. And according to what he's like, then knowing um, more deeply his strategies, his deceits, his temptations, his attacks. Okay, but these three rules are specifically what is the enemy like, um, and and one uh, quick one uh, quick mention in these rules he now calls them the enemy of human nature. So the bad spirit he is now uh, really focused. He, he's gone from this general general idea of bad spirit to the enemy of human nature. So obviously uh, personified evil is a enemy of God, but he is focusing on how how the enemy really wants to destroy human nature, to get us to reject our human nature. And we have all kinds of examples of that today. Yeah. Um so so this is this is uh, what he how he refers to the enemy in rules twelve, thirteen and fourteen. Now, uh, Rule 12, um, I suppose more prudent people won't even talk about this uh, because it's, it's such a landmine <laughs> today, but uh, let me explain. In Rule 12, Ignatius says the enemy is like a wicked woman um, who, when being faced with strength, um, is weak but faced with weakness becomes strong. And so it's, uh, it lacks a certain uh, political incorrectness today. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, I think the best way for people to understand it in today's culture is, right, Ignatius isn't saying that the enemy is like a woman. He is saying the enemy is like an unwomanly, wicked woman. And that is, um, uh, in his mind, in his mind, when a wicked woman attacks a man, if he's strong, she then um, becomes weak. And her activity then has no effect. But if he's weak... The wickedness in this unwomanly woman only gets more and more vicious, more and more severe. Um, and and then uh, through fear and discouragement, the the man then uh, follows the the um, the suggestions of this unwomanly wicked woman. Um, Gallagher, in, in his book, thinks that perhaps maybe the better metaphor um, is a spoiled brat. And, and we've all seen that, right? Where, where if, if you have a spoiled brat um, and mom and dad don't, like, sort of help him get out of his self-centeredness, this spoiled brat can wreck an entire family event. But if mom and dad, if mom and dad say, "Hey, uh, Johnny, um, you you need to um, you need to be quiet now. You need to behave now. You need to whatever now." Um, then uh, the the little boy, the little uh, girl, now can actually get out of herself and and enter into this into this family event. So I think uh, both of those uh, both of those. Both of those are helpful, that the enemy, he uses a metaphor, the enemy is like a spoiled brat who, if if mom and dad are weak, only becomes more and more out of control. But if mom and dad are strong, then um, that uh, spoiledness, <laughs> if that's a word, um, diminishes. So... Given that, given that this is this is what's marvelous for the listeners, Ignatius is suggesting that the nature of the enemy is that he's weak. Mm-hmm. All his strength is a big puff of smoke. All his strength is a show to scare the heart into into um, uh, something he's not. Like, uh, right, what's the saying? All, all bark, no bite. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of the Wizard of Oz when Toto pulls back the curtain and the, the, <laughs> the wizard is blubbering away. Right. We thought he was right. such a scary, powerful force, and it's you not. You got it. <laughs> he's essentially weak. Mm-hmm. Um, a more Christian, a more Christian uh, sort of image would be you know, St. Teresa of Avila saying, all she does is take a little holy water, and he can't, he can't handle it. He flees. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, the enemy is essentially weak. That is, of course, essentially weak for one who's in God, mm. for one who's in grace, for one who is in Christ. Um, he is essentially 
weak. He is a fraud. Um, and so, and so the directive he implies, the directive implies, and this is incredibly helpful, when the enemy starts moving in one's heart, a temptation in, the, in one's thoughts, a temptation in one's feelings, a temptation in one's desires, um, that his directive is to be firm in the beginning. To be firm in the beginning. And we have all experienced this, right? That when one has a temptation uh, for whatever, to be impatient, to be gluttonous, to be um, um, gossipy, whatever, if one says no to it in the beginning, it's easy. Um, and so he uses this analogy, Gallagher uses this analogy of the snowball, the snowball effect, that at the top of a mountain, you can stop a snowball with your finger, but once it gets rolling, once it gets rolling, it will uh, knock down a building. And so it's essential to be firm in the beginning. That kind of goes with parenting, I think, too. I've heard... Um, you know, Dr. Ray Garendi talk about if if we start out strong as parents and in directing our children, it'll lead to a better outcome than if we kind of start off weak. And I'm not saying I've done this perfectly myself, but later on, they're going to be throwing adult temper tantrums, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, to start out on the front end, yeah, to catch it on the front end. And I love the image of it is helpful to, to, to think of that adversary working against you because I think there's something in us that rises up and wants to correct that and do something about it rather than just letting it happen to us. So mm-hmm. that awareness is so helpful. Yeah. And, and he, says, uh, he says in his uh, Rule 12, in his Rule 12, that this, this effect of the enemy is to cause one to lose heart to lose heart, to get discouraged, basically to lose confidence in God, to lose heart. Um, and so it takes heart away, which is this uh, confidence in God, this strength in God, this turning to God. All right. Well, and, we're, we're about ready to take a break here, Monsignor. So hold that thought, and we're going to come back and revisit Rule 12 of the discernment of spirits with Ignatius. Ignatius. And so come coming right back after you after this break, we will go into it more. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. God's blessings to you all. And as all of you out in Radio Land listen to Real Presence Radio, what a great gift it is for every one of us. As we're in the car traveling, that we learn something about our love for Jesus, something about the great gift He has given us through His Holy Family, which is the Church. Or we also get to find something out more deeply about our own self that we come to know that we are made in God's image and likeness. And the great gift that we have is made and loved by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So continue to listen to this wonderful radio station. We need to support it in every way so that this beautiful gift of the gospel message can be spread throughout where all of this is heard and that the Holy Spirit will strengthen you all in his love. 
Have a wonderful day and keep listening to Real Presence Radio. During this year-end season of giving, Real Presence Radio wishes to extend a heartfelt thanks to all that have extended support this past year, including those that have contributed to the Real Presence Radio Permanent Endowment Fund. These funds remain permanent while the annual earnings are used to support operations. To learn more about an endowment gift, a gift which will last in perpetuity, please call me, Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement at 701-290-4503. Together, we are making a difference. Did you know you can listen to all your favorite local shows like Awaken and Real Presence Live on any podcast platform such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Amazon Music? Just search for Real Presence Radio on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes in the future. And don't forget to give us a good rating so others can discover the shows. Listen to your favorite RPR shows anytime, anywhere by subscribing on any podcast platform. Just search for Real Presence Radio today. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. We are talking with Monsignor Thomas Richter um, from the dice, uh, from Dickinson, and this is Roxanne Solonen here, and we have... Blake Ritterman. We're kind of just listening mostly, but we have a few questions as we go along. But Monsignor is leading us through the discernment of spirits, and we're on Rule 12. He's taken his time with this because uh, the the discernment of spirits, the rules, um, are, are we need to go in, into a little bit more depth with those um, to really understand. But they're powerful tools that we can use to basically be aware of and defeat the enemy. So go ahead, Monsignor. Uh, we, we were thinking maybe some examples of how this might play out would be a good thing to to do right now nice nice yeah once again good to be with you and your listeners so rule 12 uh the enemy is like a spoiled brat or an unwomanly wicked woman who is strong when faced with weakness but weak when faced with strength and so um Ignatius says, therefore, when the enemy tries to tempt us or is beginning to tempt us, the key is to be strong in the beginning. To be strong in the beginning, which will expose the weakness of the enemy. Um, And so... To be firm in the beginning is the key, the key directive from Rule 12. What does that mean? Um, I I think uh, it's important that we don't make it more uh, sensational than it needs to be. So, for example, um, uh, my good brother prays, uh, my good brother farmer has a prayer routine each morning. As, as do I, as do I'm sure um, many of us, right? Many of our listeners, a prayer routine. Well, there can come, a, there can come days where um, one's tempted to skip that. I'll, I'll do it later. I'll pray later. And if one then entertains that, um, 15 seconds later, there is another uh, reason not to do that. 
and so on and so forth. And so when when uh, the temptation is, yeah, you can do that later, skip that, the key is to be firm, and as Ignatius says, to agere contra, to do the opposite of what the temptation is suggesting. And so to be firm in the beginning, he says, is to do the is to confront the temptation firmly doing what is diametrically opposed to them so if the temptation is to is to put off prayer i very strongly in my will and firmly in my will say i'm praying right now and so i go pray or if the temptation is to eat chocolate, okay? <laughs> the temptation is to eat chocolate. I very firmly, I very firmly make an act of the will inside to, I'm not going to eat chocolate. In fact, I'm going to eat a piece of unbuttered bread right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting silly, but you know what I mean. So, so this, is, this is really concrete stuff. And I think the the two elements, as far as action steps go, the spiritual action steps go, is one, um, we need to be firm in our wills, everyone, to make resolu- to have a firm resolve in the will, to make a strong, to make a strong choice in the will, not this wimpy, whiny, gosh, I don't like this, I need to, I shouldn't do this, I should, no, this strong this strong uh, resolution. You'll see a mom and dad do it. Sometimes there's a, a little anger in it that that uh, one wants to get purified from. But when a child is in the list, stop it. Done. No more. This is what needs to happen in the will. So I would say three things about this firm uh, resolution this firm in the beginning, a strong will of whatever it's um, being tempted to, I make a strong act of no. No. And then um, one, one could, he actually says, confronting the temptation, not confronting the enemy, which is interesting. Mm. Mm. He says confronting... Firmly confronting the temptation. So um, I think what what it should sound like is if I'm being tempted, let's say, not to pray, or I'm being tempted to be impatient, or I'm being tempted to gossip. I'm being tempted to gossip. I'm being tempted to... I say, uh, I I am not doing that. I, I refuse that right now. And then I turn... To the Lord. So I think I think what it looks like inside this being firm in the beginning is acknowledging what I'm being tempted to, saying no to it, and then turn to uh, turning to to God, turning to Jesus. Jesus, protect me. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I don't ever want to gossip ever again in my whole life. Purify my heart. Convert me. I want nothing to do with this, that sort of thing. Uh, 
Um, and then, right, the enemy has to flee because the very thing he's trying to cause, namely to pull me away from God, pull me away from Christ, he is now causing. Hmm. And this is, this is why he's so weak. He can't cause, because his end game isn't, isn't to physically beat me up. His end game is to get me to leave Christ, to turn away from him, to live alone in me, myself, to give up on Jesus. Um, because if he beats me up physically, but that only makes me turn to Jesus more, cling to Jesus more, be more confident in Jesus, cling to him more, he is precisely destroying what he is trying to, to uh, cause. And thus, and thus this weakness in him, um, the weakness in him is, is dependent on me consenting to him. Um, and, and so this, this I think, is, is how, what it would look like, guys, on a very personal, concrete level. This firm resolve in the will to do the opposite and then to, uh, turn, to uh, turn to God for just the most basic graces. What are you thinking? Uh, what what came to mind for me is how these kind of rules build up on on each other. I know we're focusing on twelve, but that acknowledgement of I am this is a temptation. Mm-hmm. You need that first, and then that firm resolve to say no, and that comes through relationship with Christ and through working this in a practical way, and not being afraid at times to, you know, hopefully and you're going to fail at times, you know, in this, you know, and to ask for mercy there and to ask for, for grace there. And I think, you know, Ignatian pulls the examine into this too, to continue to work on how is the enemy pulling away? Um, you know, so that acknowledgement Monsignor, I believe is is so important that he's pulling away from my resolve because I think, you know, that, that example of prayer, you know, being pulled away from your normal routine, it can be a good that you're being tempted with. <laughs> to pull away from that routine good on the on on the exterior i should say um mm-hmm. i should do this or i should do that sometimes that word should gets in there um yeah. to pull you away from that resolve but that acknowledgement is so important to be able to take courage to say no very good yeah and obviously right uh if my baby is sick or whatever and i i have to change my routine because of that right. of course i'm talking about right we're talking about uh, this thing we all deal with um, when uh, there's this uh, lack of attraction to prayer, and then within that comes, yeah, you can do it later. Yeah. But you're right, um, Blake, and, and this goes back to the very, very um, foundation of discernment, right? To discern is three steps to be aware of spiritual movements. To be aware of thoughts, feelings, and desires on the third level. To be aware of that. That's the first step. Then to understand where this is coming from. Ah, this thing that's saying I should put off prayer today and actually just jump into my work. Ah, that's not from the heart of God. That's from the enemy. Then third, I resist, I reject what's from the enemy. So I'm aware, I understand, I reject. And the third, the third, the twelfth rule here says, 
that this rejecting needs to be firm in the beginning, and you will discover that the enemy is weak, and he has to flee, and he can't take your heart away. But if one is not firm in the beginning, then one's resolve becomes less and less and less, and then at a certain point actually wants to follow this temptation. You know, one of the things I was thinking earlier, you said, when I asked what the motivation is, you said to go to heaven. And I realized, too, in God allowing some of these temptations, um, it's, it's like helping us train, helping us train our spiritual muscles to, to be able to resist things, which is going to draw us closer to Him, right? And for, prepare for, us for, for heaven. Sure. JT2, John Paul II says, holiness is intimacy with God. Holiness is intimacy with God. Holiness is closeness to God. Holiness is communion with God. Holiness is union with God. And how does one become holy through a vision of St. Ignatius? By receiving and interiorizing spiritual consolation and by rejecting spiritual desolation. That by rejecting spiritual desolation, I am not just not consenting to the enemy. I'm growing in intimacy with Jesus. I'm coming closer to God. I'm entering into his heart more deeply by rejecting spiritual desolation. That God allows it precisely because it can, it, if I reject it, I actually grow closer to him. Maybe this is something that as we approach Advent, people might consider looking into the, the rules, and if they haven't, um, would this be a good time to, to jump in? Well, I, th- I, think, I think they need an aid, though, mm-hmm. um, and uh, there's all kinds of great videos. Uh, Father Tim Gallagher has all his great videos. He has a video or two on each rule. Those mm-hmm. would be incredibly helpful, I think, to all the listeners. And then his book. But I have found walking uh, people through his book that, that they wouldn't have got to that, understood it on their own. Right, okay. All right, we're going to finish off here uh, after our break. We'll be right back with more Real Presence Live and the Discernment of Spirits. Stay tuned. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Daily Meditations of Pope Benedict XVI, presented by Leonardo Di Filippis of St. Luke Productions. Celebrating Sunday. Christians are Sunday people. What does that mean? Before we ask ourselves how we observe Sunday, we have to consider what we Christians actually celebrate on Sunday. The real and first reason for celebrating Sunday lies in the fact that on this day Christ rose from the dead. For the first time, someone returns from the dead and will not die again. But Jesus did not pass quickly into heaven. He did not simply shed time as one might shed a worn-out garment. On the contrary, he remains with us. The Feast of Sunday is therefore, above all, a profession of faith in the resurrection. Very early in the history of the church, Christians asked themselves, why did the Lord choose this day? According to Jewish reckoning, Sunday was the first day of the week. It was therefore the day on which God created the world. It was the day on which God ended his rest and spoke, let there be light. 
Sunday is the first day of the week, the day of creation. That means then that Sunday is also the day on which we give thanks for creation. Creation has been given us by God as our living space, as the scene of our labor and our leisure, in which we find both the necessities and the superfluities of life, the beauty of images and sounds, which we need precisely as much as we need food and clothing. This meditation is taken from Benedictus, published by Ignatius Press and Magnificat, and produced by St. Luke Productions. Learn more at stlukeproductions.com. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories, and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Are you aware of God's movement in your life? Are you aware of the enemy's attempt to thwart that? That's what we're talking about on Real Presence Live today. We're almost at the end of our two hours, but we still have a little bit more time with Monsignor Thomas Richter, and we're going to jump in now to Ignatius Rule 13, which has some interesting surprises. So go ahead, Monsignor, take it away. Yeah, so Rule 12 is uh, the enemy is like a spoiled brat or a, or a unwomanly, wicked woman. Rule 13, he says, the enemy is like a false lover um, who, who wants the victim of his false love to keep a secret. Um, and so the rule actually says he conducts himself like a false lover and wishing to remain secret, not be revealed. For um, when a, a man is is making dishonorable advances to a daughter of a good father, wife, good husband, he wishes his words and persuasions to be secret. And on the contrary, it displeases him very much when the daughter reveals to her father, wife, to her husband these the, these uh, false words and depraved intention. In the same way, when the enemy of human nature brings his wiles and persuasions to the just soul, he wishes and desires that they be received and kept in secret. So, um, the, the, the strategy of the enemy is to stir his yucky desires, thoughts, Etc. in the human heart, and then make the person isolated in them. Um, like, no one would understand me. I can't share this with anyone. We see this very thing in Adam after he sinned. What does he do? He hides from God. He hides from God. And so um, he's all alone now. He's all alone now in these um, in this experience of what the enemy's doing, um, and and then the enemy can then just continue his his work, right? So so Ignatius says that the key the key is to be able to reveal what's going on inside of uh, the person to someone who knows 
how uh, the enemy works. And so um, the the uh, the isolation, the the enemy's uh, uh, his end game is to isolate, to isolate the person, and live all alone in um, in this challenge. And and the grace of God, the Spirit of God, is saying, "No, humble yourself and share that with someone." The most common, right? The most common living of Rule Thirteen would be uh, the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Um, that one goes and uh, vulnerably opens up before Christ in the sacrament and before the priest, and then um, gets uh, gets freed from this isolated secret. Excuse me. And uh, can uh, start uh, moving in a new direction. Monsignor, Say, uh, is, uh, I, I just I have a thought about that. Um, I, I think it's interesting how easily we forget that God knows everything. And I heard once that, you know, when we go to confession, God already knows. <laughs> he already knows what mm-hmm. we did. So there's nothing that we can, you know, we're, we can't hide. There's no hiding place, right? But yet so so quickly we forget it's just kind of a funny thing in human nature that we, even though we're aware of God, we can still think He's out of sight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and so, so it would be to reveal to God. And um, Ignatius says, um, but when one reveals them to one's good confessor or to another spiritual person who knows the deceits and malicious designs. It weighs on the enemy very much because he perceives that he will not be able to succeed with the malicious undertaking he has begun since his manifest deceits have been revealed. So this opening up and revealing is a huge, huge disarming of the of the enemy. Gallagher says Rule 13 and Rule 5 are the two most important rules in uh, the 14 rules. Hmm. And so, and you see this, right? Like, if someone just says, "Gosh, I've been, I've been, I've been doubting uh, God's providence um, for the last week. Um, I haven't wanted to pray for the last week." Just saying that to another person in humility can be enough to like change the whole now interior uh, stance and posture of a person. Mm. It just changes it. By this simple act of of humility, uh, and I've seen it over, over and over again. And so, the key virtue to living thirteen is humility. Yeah, and I like how he ends with setting the captives free. It's such a a beautiful image that we don't have to be captive to our isolation and our hiddenness. We can be set free, and that's what these Great. rules do, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's um, being, being free from spiritual desolation, as he's talking about in Rules 5 through 8, and then more uh, deeply by just uh, Rules 12, 13, and 14, describing what the enemy is, is like and how to respond to that.
so what what uh what uh the enemy of human nature does is stirs these things in the human person and then whispers that's who you are mm-hmm. you can't let anyone know you can't let anyone know this uh, that uh, you have this envy in your heart toward your sister or your sister-in-law that's really twisted and now you just got to kind of be alone in that um this is this is how he this is how he works and when one can break open and humble oneself um then one can start to be set free as a captive that's why i i think so much of what we call negative self-talk is actually the talk of the enemy in us mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. send to it yeah but yeah. there's very little negative self-talk that isn't spiritual very little of it that is not spiritual most of it comes from the enemy you know one thing i think too is it takes trust and that's probably something we're going to have to take up the next time we talk about this because we're coming to the end of our show today but um, this gives us at least a little preview of rule 13 and we will go more into that the next time we have you on monsignor thank you so much for taking us through this journey it's it's a little bit more intense than some of our interviews but um i think it's good to to go more in depth sometimes and 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 jump into these things that can be such helpful tools for us as we're moving through on our way to heaven so thank you monsignor for taking time out for us today good to be with you and your listeners you have a good day god bless god bless you thank you and uh, Rachel, our producer, what's coming up on the next Real Presence Live? On the next Real Presence Live, Thursday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central, Father Jason Leffer and Father James Gross are your hosts, coming to you live from the Grand Fork studio. They'll be talking with Nancy Gord and Father Slattery about the Christian themes that are found in Frankenstein. And get your questions ready for Straight Talk with Father Leffer and Father Gross. All this and more is coming on the next Real Presence Live, Thursday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Back to you. Thank you, Rachel. Another good show on deck uh, for Real Presence Live. Well, Roxanne, we've uh, we went through a lot today. Yes, um, this is our first time co-hosting, yeah, and it was very enjoyable. Yes, I really appreciate you, Roxanne. So, um, you know, Deacon Ben talking about uh, six stone jars and the marriage retreats that are happening in the diocese. Um, uh, Nadia at uh, Dakota Hope Clinic in Minot. Um, anyone in the Minot area, head out to the State Fair Center to support that great needed beautiful organization um through the festival of trees and just a beautiful i mean i love the rules I, i've went through them before mm-hmm. um but you can never tire going through them you need to continue to go yes. through them because um like when you read you're like that's so simple that's yeah so simple but when you're in it you're like it's a battle mm-hmm. you know there's a battle um between the, the good and evil and it's it's for our souls. That's yes. the battle. Yes. And I think you were hinting at that. We need the graces. We need to keep up with our spiritual life so we can recognize yeah. these different spirits. Otherwise, we're just, we're in the dark, you know? That's right. So, That's yeah. Right. Well, that wraps up our Real Presence Live show for today. But stay tuned for more great programming on Real Presence Radio. Take two with Jerry and Debbie is next. God bless. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. 
Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast anytime of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.